Suzanne Pedersen in her ninth Solheim Cup with this to win the trophy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ninth tee. Mel Reed, victorious in the ShopRite LPGA Classic, her first LPGA Tour win. And it was a long, winding road for the 33-year-old to find the winner's circle on the LPGA Tour for the first time. Joined, as always, by the one, the only, the truly incomparable, Mr. Ben Harpring. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great, especially after that introduction. I appreciate it. I'm waiting for the day you realize the reference where that introduction is coming from, but that is a sidebar to just how incredible it was for Mel to win. This is the first time in her career she's had three consecutive top tens in a row. At this course, her best finish was T45 in 2018. Outside of that, she had two missed cuts. This is not the tournament you would have expected her to win based on past performance, but based on recent efforts... And recent changes, Mel bounced back from being the 54-hole leader at the Cambia Portland Classic two weeks ago to once again being the 54-hole leader and capitalizing this week. Yeah, she looked great. You know, like, I felt, I feel like I touched on it last week or we touched on it or a couple weeks ago after Portland in our podcast episode about that learning experience, how being in that position at the end of a tournament or being in the lead going into the final round, it it's not always it's not easy to win on the LPGA tour. And it's tough. Like it's new emotion. It's new a new process being out there. And you know what? She she buckled down, got locked in, played more great golf, back in contention, back in the lead. And just she looked so confident. That, that final nine holes like she really just found it like found that zone and really looked like she knew she was going to win it really looked that way to me to be fair to read she's won six times on the ladies european tour so being in contention is not necessarily an unfamiliar feeling for her but as you mentioned winning's hard particularly on the lpga and where we really saw that experience was how she responded to adversity in the final round. In Portland, on the sixth hole, she double bogeyed, dropped a 10 under par, played even par the rest of the way on a course where it's scorable and you needed to keep scoring to win. This week, back-to-back bogeys on the sixth and the seventh responds four under par over the next five. A fantastic response. She took the lead on the ninth, never relinquished it, was in full control And it never seemed like there was a shot that she hit that she didn't seem comfortable over the ball with. And that's to your point, that she she showed that she learned. And that's not something we've seen since the restart of not being able to come through when you're in a prime position to win and then bouncing back the next week when you're not able to capitalize. That's really hard to do. And that's a lot of credit to the British woman who's added an English chapter to this restart after the Americans dominated the early going since the COVID-19 pandemic pause. Yeah, it, this, this English chapter, and you know, it's been a long time on the LPGA tour since that's, that's happened. It's 
I think 1996, the last time a pair of British players have won on back to back in back to back weeks on the LPGA Tour, back to Trish Johnson and Caroline Pierce. That's quite a long uh, <laughs> little break there, but it, it's great to see. Look, the LPGA is a global tour. <laughs> We're seeing players play at a high, extremely high level from all corners of the globe. It's it's really cool to see. Yeah, Mel Reed, the ninth British woman to win on the LPGA Tour. And in terms of Mel's story and what she's bounced back from, the 33-year-old in 2012 lost her mom in a tragic car accident while watching her at an LET event. In 2018, she came out and is a role model for the LGBTQ community. And in between that, you know, trying to exercise the demons of tragically losing her mother, she lost the will to play golf for a couple of years. And to bounce back and to see in her post-round interview with Jerry Foltz on Golf Channel, the first thing she said was, I just want to call my dad. It really speaks to how close that family is. And how tight-knit her and her dad are after that tragedy. And for her to redeem herself. And this started at the event we're going to have next week in 2019, where she finished solo third and proved to herself that she can compete with the best of the best on the most difficult of stages. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting to me, just knowing she's such a big competitor, and I don't think that she needs, she's the kind of player or person that needs extra motivation, like, to go out and, and do her best or to succeed. But I really thought that, that her performance last year at the 2019 KPMG Women's PGA Championship, when she finished solo third, would really kind of propel her to being a pick for the Solheim Cup team, for Team Europe. She did not end up getting picked, although she was a, a vice captain on that team, I believe. It did not... I think that she loves to compete in those team events. Like she's played so well and is such a valuable team player, um, whether it's at the Solon Cup or on the UL International Crown team for uh, Team England. And so I think that that kind of was a turning point in a lot of ways. Like she played really well. She did not quite, you know, Captain's Pick ended up going to famously at this point to Suzanne Pedersen, who. You know, we all know that was a very a good pick. Turned out being a great pick, but nonetheless, I do think that that kind of is, it might be another inspiring moment for her. And and she's continued to play really good golf. And like you said, this is three consecutive top tens now on the LPGA Tour. And she's picked up her first career LPGA Tour victory. So she's really starting starting to figure it out she's starting to figure it out and well and put it all together today <laughs> put it together this week she compared herself to julie inkster a couple of years ago in terms of the ability to compete into your 50s on the lpga and a that's a bold statement for someone who at the time had not won but b shows the fire that she has that she wants to be here for a long time has the recipe to do so. And to the Solheim Cup, Team Europe had their update on how they're picking their team a couple of weeks ago. Katrina Matthews is going to have six captain's picks instead of four. 
you'd feel Mel is assuming she plays decently between now and Inverness Club 2021. You know, sprinkle in some top 25s, maybe a top one more top 10. Don't need another win. She should make the team. And she's a three-time Solheim Cup player. And you're looking at Europe once again going with uh, with the experience, which proved really valuable with our uh, with the the player who has the intro to this podcast, <laughs> proving a valuable decision for Katrina Matthew in 2019. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just to touch on your you know what you said about her um, talking about playing for many more years or wanting to play for many more years on the LPGA tour. You know, I, I think that it shows a lot to, um, if you, if you got to see the broadcast, you saw when she made that last putt, how many people, players, fellow players and caddies and, and other people that are, that are out on tour out there celebrating with her like they're genuinely genuinely so excited and happy for her and i think that it's something that gets talked about a decent amount i think it's known but like you know tour life can be it is difficult in a lot of ways and one of those things that is really difficult is just it can be lonely but having that amount of people out there that you know, really believe in you and are close with you. That helps a lot. I think in as far as being able to feel comfortable and confident, getting better and for longevity's sake, like just having that group of almost like family almost. Especially with the pandemic where now you're really isolating yourself. It's nice to see that moment where all the players got together, celebrated her, not only does this win give her two more years on the LPGA Tour, she punched her ticket to the U.S. Women's Open in the December, her and Jennifer Song. But then let's take let's zoom out a little bit. And let's just talk about that final pairing. Because coming down the stretch, that was the group that was going to win. Someone The, the winner was going to emerge out of that group. And I was really surprised at Jennifer Cupcho. Here's why. Her body language was so bad. She beat herself up for mistakes so much. And we talked about this in Portland, where if you get down yourself and you're in contention, you're not the only one making mistakes. You don't have to play perfect golf to win. And her double bogey on eight. Yes, she responded with back-to-back birdies, but during the hole, she just beat herself up. And that added an unnecessary stroke, right? Like you can't afford to be giving away, especially on how short of a hole it was. It's 320. And yeah, she hit a heel, odd stinger looking shot. I'm sure that's not what she was drawing up, put herself in the rough. It was a short hole. You can't afford that double. And lo and behold, she loses by two. Like those are the moments where you've really emphasized Ben seeing growth. This is the first time Cupcho was in contention. Yes, she had a fantastic finish at the Evian Championship last year, but she was well behind when she made her move to get into tie for second. It wasn't like she had the pressure of, oh, I might win this thing. In fact, she, I, she was the clubhouse leader. She was one off. 
when she finished her round, and she actually left. <laughs> that shows you how little she was thinking about winning the tournament, right? So to see yeah, her yeah. get that experience for someone whom we've expected to have success on the tour, hopefully it's a learning moment for her, but it's it's also an example of just coming down the stretch. Stuff happens. We don't swear on this podcast, so you know you can substitute the synonym there. And you got to roll with it more versus like, oh, man, I hit such a bad shot. Oh, man. Like her body language is so demonstrably bad. And hopefully that's something she learns from. Yeah, it's interesting because if you look at it. Look at the scorecard, you know, she did respond with back to back birdies and uh, she even added another birdie at the 13th hole. So she went three under over the next five holes after that double bogey. But I think playing with someone like a pretty emotionally fired up kind of player like like Mel, for instance, I think she feed I think Mel feeds off everything. And look whenever you show your opponent that you're down and not feeling good, I think that that helps as a competitor like they're like I I feel more confident in myself when I see the I mean and sometimes I think some people might also feed off the negative energy and it pro- might bring them down also, but I think it also can have the other, the other effects actually kind of fire you up a little bit. Yeah, like you're right where I want you. Like, okay, you're, you're off your game. I'm going to play my best and I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to execute these shots down the stretch. But as you said, look, you know, at the 16th hole, that's where I think I noticed it the most. She had a shot from the fairway, just a wedge in her hand, I believe. And, and, I think she pulled it a little more than she wanted to. Got a lot of spin. It went from all the way on like the top tier, came back down the slope and went to the very front of the green. And she just seemed like she reacted so... And she was very upset, visibly upset with that shot. And then her, her birdie putt, which was not an easy one, but she didn't get it all the way up the hill, all the way up that uh, slope. And it came back down again so instead of giving herself a real sh- chance at par she ended up having to hit another difficult putt up the slope and she ended up making bogey on that hole where then she she then responded birdie birdie to finish but finishing two shots behind the lead uh at the end of the round like you know she just pars that she's only one behind and i think coming down a last hole that's reachable especially with Jennifer's distance, Jennifer Cupshaw's distance off the tee, like just a little bit more pressure on Mel there, right? Like every shot counts. That's basically what it does come down to. But having a two-shot lead is a lot more comfortable than having a one-shot lead. So, yeah, like you said, though, this is a learning experience. And she has the talent, and she'll be be okay. It's It's a good learning experience, I think, for her, and she'll get better from this. Who may not be okay is the other Jennifer in the final group. Her 220th career start, Jennifer Song. Three under the final day. She had six birdies her first two rounds. Five birdies on Saturday. Only three today. And played the three par fives. And even par. Didn't birdie one of them. And maybe that's the sign of where Song felt the pressure of, all right, how many more bites of this apple do I have? to get a win on the LPGA tour and a a great performance to finish solo third. But when you're one back going into Sunday, you know, she, she hasn't had that many of chances 
Her best career finish is tied for second at the ANA a couple years ago. That's that's going to be hard to recover from. Well, on the on a positive note, you know, I, they mentioned on the broadcast. Uh, I think Paige McKenzie mentioned on the on the telecast. She's someone who just really loves golf, and I, I've spent some time with her too, like just talking to her on the range and and. And she talks about the shot and just always like figuring out the game and like she just so someone who loves it. So on one hand, yeah, you are correct. This is her her tenth year out on tour, I believe. So no wins yet. And as we know, it, it it's difficult to win on the LPGA. I've said that already on this on this podcast episode. But also, you just you don't know how many times you'll be in contention. And she did actually have the outright lead there for a little bit on the front nine. Um, through eight holes, she had had the lead. And then uh, Mel made a move, got back into it. No, through seven holes. Through seven holes, she had the solo lead. Then Mel ended up birdieing the eighth hole to tie. And then birdieing the ninth hole to end up take, retaking the lead. So, yeah. It, she'll be thinking about this, no doubt, because I think that everyone, when you have an opportunity like that, you know, being close to the lead, even in the lead, getting close to that back nine on Sunday, you're, of course you're going to think, like, what could I have done differently? And, yeah, that's a good point you brought up. Parring the three par fives on the golf course, that's usually not a great recipe. And on the golf course that, you know, Number nine and number 18 yielded quite a few uh, eagles this week. You're going to need to at least birdie those. And another player who had similar feelings in Portland, Ashley Buhai. How many shots did you get in the telecast this week, Ben? Or at least in the final round? <laughs> I think she got two this time. You, we actually saw her uh, chip shot that led to her final putt. So. A little bit of an improvement on the telecast TV time for Ashley, but no, she, I mean, like she finished tied for sixth. It's that's also in its own right really impressive to see her bounce back from missing that short putt to extend the playoff. To all right, I'm gonna turn this around. Card five under on Sunday, get it another nice payday. Keep up the momentum for. Yeah, no doubt. Like it. It's really cool to see a player like Ashley just giving herself these chances and playing well. And <laughs> well, just looking looking at her scorecard, her last eleven holes, she had six birdies and an eagle. So like <laughs> two bogeys in there as well. But oh, she's finding something, and it's it's exciting to see. And hopefully. She's able to continue this. We're going to have a little bit of a break here. Uh, after KPMG, there's one event, the new Drive-On Championship in Georgia, and then about a month off. So hopefully she can carry this momentum moving forward into these next two events, and then hopefully you know into the rest of the season too. Yeah, this is going to be a really scattered schedule after next week, but that's its own podcast topic. The Corda Sisters, also worth mentioning this week. Their brother, Sebastian, May have had the most successful feat of the three siblings, losing in the fourth round at the French Open to Rafael Nadal. Wow. What a un- what a unique setup to have, you know, your dog 
named after the person you lose to. <laughs> That's true. Well, that this is a golf podcast, and but this is just fine. Too cool fine. To, no, All right, fine, fine, fine. We say it's a golf podcast. Okay, we can say what they finished first. <laughs> Nelly Corda finished in fifth place. Jessica, who's been battling injuries since returning, missed the AIG Women's Open. She finished tied for 13th, her best finish since the restart. Good to see the dominant American sisters in the Solheim Cup returning to prominence. Not that Nelly left. Right. Well, it's, it's, it is funny. Um, their brother, Sebastian, playing extremely well at the French Open. Uh, tennis. And then the other sport, tennis, as we already talked about. But talking about that being maybe the most successful feat of the Cordas. And to be honest, that is true. I mean, 20 years old, it's so young. I think I, think, I, think I saw a statistic. First player uh, on, in the professional tennis, or on the men's tour at least, to born in the 2000s to make it that far in a major tournament. <laughs> That's, it is wild. We're entering the era of athletes that have, were born in this century. So... <laughs> Yeah, you saw that in the NBA Finals, too, with Tyler Hero, the Miami Heat. Oh, man. Ben, can time just pause, please? What is this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I'm feeling very old, and I, I know I'm not, but, you know. Why does my Thanks. back hurt now? Man. <laughs> <laughs> but these these aren't the only players who are playing well. We're seeing some of the big names as well, along with Nelly, trending, heading into the major. Brooke Henderson bouncing back nicely after the playoff loss, the ANA inspiration. Nasahata Oka was in contention, finished in fourth place. And Sung Hyun Park, the the darling of why are her betting odds so high each week? Five under in the last round. Good to see these big names getting back after it. Yeah, and it's going to be really cool because it's it's great to see these players, these big-name players playing well, especially going into KPMG at such an awesome venue like Aronimic. Um Brooke, obviously, major champion, Brooke Henderson, who has won a KPMG Women's PGA Championship. She played really well this week, ended up, as you said, tie six. Um, Nelly does not have that major yet, but it, she, she's played so well all year. She is really that player. I feel like there's a, there's a few out there. We, we talked about Lexi. Um, I think we'll, we'll get to her in a little bit and we get to your picks of the week, but there's certain players you just always feel like you're going to be right there. And I don't know about you, but Nelly is definitely one of them. It's like any given week, she could be right there. Nasa, she was playing extremely well before the, the pandemic, you know, hit and there was the, the break for the tour. And then Sung Hyun just, she was seven under at one point today, uh, finished a couple bogeys in her last few holes to finish at five under, but still playing really well. And she had a great run last year at the KPMG Women's PGA, where she fin- uh, ended up finishing runner up to Hannah Green, but had a remarkable Sunday final round. So, yeah, you're right. It is great to see these big name players kind of trending in that direction. It's hard to say Nelly's not a name to keep in consideration when she's finished in the top five in her last three starts. <laughs> Tie for third at Walmart. Obviously, the playoff loss, the ANA inspiration, and time for fifth this week. 
And before that, going back to the AID Women's Open, tied for 14. So if she is able to win at the KPMG or the U.S. Women's Open, that's a heavy favorite for the Annika Rolex Major Award. So not that that award necessarily <laughs> leads to anything Hall of Fame related, which is our favorite topic of conversation in this show. <laughs> but it's, that's, that's a nice trophy Facts. to add. That's a nice trophy to add to the mantle. Oh, yeah. I think she'd definitely take that. Especially <laughs> hopefully, especially with either of those. KPNG wins PGA or the U.S. Women's Open. Either of those being the reason that she like ends up clinching it. Yeah, I think she'd definitely take that. Well, I guess we got to go into the picks of the week now, huh? I guess we have to. Oh, yeah. Deep breath. Ooh, rough week. All right. Lexi Thompson, tie for 13th. Anna Norquist, tie for 43rd. Inji. I've been picking Inji a lot lately. I like her odds a lot. She shot a 77 <laughs> on Saturday. What the heck? Tie for 43rd. Uh, Aerie Jatanagarn. Oh, boy. Miscut. And Mariah Stackhouse, miscut. Mariah had back-to-back top 10s of this tournament and finished in the top 10 in Portland. And it all came crashing down. And Anna's been to this tournament 13 times now and had not finished outside of the top 20. A couple wins to her ledger, too. This is her worst career performance. This is her worst performance at Seaview. You know what, Ben? You you win some in terms of having a chance to win the tournament, <laughs> and you lose some pretty bad. <laughs> Welcome to betting on outright winners. You know, golf golf is one of it's it's got to be one of the trickiest ones to uh, to predict, honestly. Like outside of Tiger Woods in the year two thousand, <laughs> I don't know if there's ever like a, a sure sure bet. Well, there's not a sure bet, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, it's it is surprising for Anna, <laughs> not finishing out of outside the top twenty in thirteen previous appearances. That's uh, a little bit surprising, but I think we have talked about it. It's been a it's been a pretty fast and a furious stretch of golf since the LPGA's return. There have been a few off weeks, you know, just. There could be a lot of factors going into it. Lexi's tied for 13th. It is. It, she's just. This is a golf course. You know, she's came in as the defending champion here. She's always. I think I'm, I sound like I feel like I'm a broken record. She's always in contention. She was never truly quite in contention this week. She's never really threatened like the lead, but still ends up finishing tie 13th. So she's even when she doesn't have her A game, she's still playing solid golf. It's just, you know, that's just the nature of it. Area, it is interesting. This area's just been, it's been a little bit of a rough stretch. And we've seen this happen to her a few times in her career where whatever it may be, whether it's something mental, it might be something maybe physical. Um, it's not sure. But uh, Mariah, I, I I like the odds of, of Mariah going into this week, too. But that's just uh, the nature of kind of golf, huh? And golf betting. <laughs> 125 to 1 for Mariah. She would have been a first-time winner. And lo and behold, we had one. Uh, but in recent weeks, it's been 
not the longest of odds, but not in your immediate top 10, top 15, where early on in the year with Daniel winning a couple times, that concentrated star power up top was emerging. And so in a, a system where the odds are 80 to 1 for winners, 66 to 1 for Hannah Green, who narrowly missed in Cambia, like you hit on one of those, even if you're betting on five players a week, you're positive for the year. So it's really just finding a way to stick to the process and keep making good selections. And you're going to have this. is This is a bad week. Um, and I threw out area missing the cut in Portland because of how funky that tournament was. Like you could only practice on the course one day. So if if I was to self critique afterwards, it would have been like, why am I giving area this credit? Get look at Mariah like, oh, she's playing well. Um, that's a bit of a selection bias there. But otherwise, you win some in terms of having bites of the apple. I, I still have the screenshot of uh, <laughs> ANA tied for, uh, had the solo leader and three players tied for second on Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're feeling pretty good if you have those moments. So, trying to focus on, you know, next week, I think it's going to be hard to bet on Mel, even though she'll probably have decent odds because. You know, you're not expecting a first time winner to go back to back wins. There's an emotional letdown, but like the song is gonna be tempting again. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the 2018 winner of that event, yeah, even though it's our first event in a while where it's not the same course as usual, so there's definitely gonna be more emphasis on recent play. Uh, which maybe maybe you throw a bone to Ashley Buhai. Um, depending on how things are going, but you know, take a look at the odds as they come out, see what it looks like, and uh, cover the eyes over the ROI because that's going south in a hurry. It's okay. This takes this takes one week. One week, Kent. You got, you've you men- gotta, you've you mentioned win. Ben. You've mentioned Ben. You want to get in on these picks? When are we? When are we going to rope you in here? Uh, you know what? Let's let's start with this next major coming up. I'll, I'll get some picks there. Let's see how we do head-to-head. All right. I like this. I like this new challenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll talk of this more uh, off the air, but, you know, the first time getting back to the ShopRite LPGA Classic and, and not my woes, the first time this tournament played 72 holes since 1990, course was in pretty good shape. It was nice to see how thick the Thesky was. It really was in the mind of the players which is what you want a hazard to be. <laughs> I was scrolling through uh, Instagram yesterday. Uh, you know, I haven't watched The Social Dilemma yet. I haven't canceled all my social media accounts. And there was a clip, a family guy of uh, Lois is set to tee off. I assume, you know, family guy, a classic animated show on Fox. And uh, she goes, oh, I need to aim at the water. And, and Peter's like, no, don't hit the water. And she goes, but you did that. <laughs> and Peter's like, I wasn't trying to. And she goes, why'd you do it? Oh, I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the point of a good hazard is that it's in play, right? And so having that Thesky be as thick as it was, like, that's visually intimidating off the tee. And it definitely played a factor, particularly on what we talked about with Jennifer Cupcho on the eighth hole, like you could really see that Thesky on the right and Jerry Foltz was talking on the telecast that you can get past some of the Thesky that was closer to the fairway by going driver. 
and getting past all of it, which which Mel Reed did to set up her birdie to get back on track after bogey in six and seven. So being able to conquer those visually intimidating tee shots, I was that was a great setup. Track was fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I th- I think it's it's something else to consider. I don't know exactly how much of a factor it plays, but I, I have friends for we're you know amateur golfer friends, but they enjoy playing tree line golf courses because visually it helps them like feel better when they're aiming and stuff. And this week, being no there's no grandstands like there usually is, less signage, things like that. And I wonder how how much that, you know, kind of plays into a little bit, too. Also, some of the taller fescue would be maybe trampled down a little bit more by spectators being there. Maybe not. Actually, they had the ropes up. Never mind. Take that back. But <laughs> lack of the lack of grandstands, and those are visuals. Like, a lot of times, those are, those are target lines. You're, like, left side of that grandstand, you know, things like that. Like, how, that might, that could come into play as well, I think, but... It was a fun week overall to watch, and there was a lot of different uh, lies that came into play, whether it was fairway, high fescue, the, the rough, greenside bunkers, fairway bunkers. It was, it was a fun week. You know, Ben, we can, we can tease this, that we do have our first guest in the history of the show on our next episode for the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, and she may have mentioned that when you're set to win, it's your week. And Mel Reed on the 12th on Saturday, if you don't remember, had like a five footer for par uphill right to left and did a full 360 before it dropped in the cup. <laughs> and the reason yeah. I bring this up is in the midst of our recording, <laughs> Mel's first uh, social media statement since her win, she tweeted the shrug emoji to a guy responding to the highlight of that saying, she'll bottle it every time. <laughs> There's not confidence. <laughs> Salute to Mel Reed. <laughs> Shout out Mel Reed. Well, on that note, Ben, we'll be back Tuesday for the preview edition of the 9th Tee Podcast for the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. It's going to be, it's the next to last major, and this is the final event. Before the calendar slows down, we may have to come up with a couple other things to talk about besides golf. We may, and I think we have some some ideas coming up too. It's going to be fun, and I'm first of all though looking forward to the this major championship coming up at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. It it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always one of my favorite events to usually attend, but I we I'm very excited to watch it though this year. That's going to be it for us on the Ninth Tee Podcast. Thanks for teeing up with us. Subscribe. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Five stars. Give us a review. Ben and I will dedicate a dad joke in your honor. Meaning I will dedicate a dad joke in your honor. That's right. (laughs) Ben, thanks for the time, man. Talk soon. Talk soon.